0: Alright, well good morning everybody. Uh, Welcome back. I'm sorry we weren't here last week, but here we are again this week. Uh, We're talking about uh, walking in the fear of the Lord. This is part two. I'll do a little bit of recap of two weeks ago. uh, It's been a little while. Uh, Just a couple of announcements too, uh, uh, real quick. Uh, Our Bible study, online Bible study on Sunday nights. We're going to uh, we're taking a break right now because we're in some transitions right now. I'll go into later, uh, a later time and date, uh, but we will be resuming those uh, very soon. I don't have a date and time yet, so just keep posted. You can watch our website and whatnot. We will be resuming those uh, very shortly here, but we're taking a, a little recess of some uh, uh, transitions that we need to uh, uh Process at this time. So anyway, uh, we'll talk about that very soon. But we will keep we will keep doing Sunday mornings right now, and uh, that's not going away. Uh, so we will be here every Sunday morning in the time being, and uh, we're hoping to do more things in the future. We're just in a uh, transition season for a number of reasons that I'll go to later. So okay. So without any further ado, with that, we're just going to go ahead and jump right into the message this morning. We're talking about walking in the fear of the Lord. And uh, I've been wanting to talk about this for a while, actually. I don't even know how long. It's been over a year. Uh, and then uh, Andrew and I talked about this subject uh, at the conference we went to in uh, Phoenix in, in January. the beginning of the year. And so, uh, which uh, spirits some thoughts of, uh, of my own. We even have that teaching of Andrews on our free Bible classes that we have on our website at lighthouseestablishment.org. Just go to our Bible classes. Uh, get registered, which is free, uh, but there's a uh, little registration process, it's free, it shouldn't take too long, and once you get registered, you, know, you can look at our classes, which includes Andrew's four-part series on this, uh, 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 talk about the fear of God, uh, walking in the fear of the Lord. So go ahead, if you will, go ahead and show with me in your Bibles to so Psalm 36, verse 1, we'll get started, and I'm going to be reading out the King James with this uh, first uh, verse this morning. But, you know, when we're talking about the fear of the Lord, or the fear of God, this is not necessarily a very popular subject today. Uh, Yeah, at the same point in time, I believe it's in uh, short supply. It's in dire need today. And uh, I think a lot of people understand the fear of God. They even shy away from uh, the subject of the fear of God. And so, until we understand something, we're always going to be afraid of it. Uh, And so... There's a lot of different definitions. I, I read two weeks ago for uh, definitions even in the dictionary on fear. And uh, uh, most of those have to be with dread or, or terror or a uh, state of dread or concern. But there's a fourth definition even in the dictionary. <coughs> even in Webster's Dictionary, it talks about this awe and reverence towards God. And that's what we're talking about. When we're talking about the fear of the Lord, we're talking about a reverence and an awe towards God. We're also talking about honoring God. We're also talking about respecting God. And we even are talking, like two weeks ago, about trusting God. So a lot of times when I'm talking about uh, fulfill the Lord, I'm talking about honoring Him. I'm talking about respecting Him. I'm talking about reverencing Him. I'm also talking about trusting Him. And there's a lot of verses. There's a lot of scripture throughout the Bible, about trusting God, about honoring Him, about respecting Him, about reverencing Him. And we're going to be talking more about that today. We, I'm not going to go into it, but I'm going to recap a little bit from like two weeks ago. We talked about how Jesus walked in the fear of the Lord. Jesus wasn't afraid of His Father, but He reverenced Him. He honored Him. He respected Him. He trusted, Him. He trusted His Father. The early church also walked in the fear of the Lord. We'll be spending more time on that, uh, hopefully, if we get that far today. But the early church grew. It multiplied because it walked in the fear of God. So, if we're going to see the, uh, the church multiply today, we need to walk in the fear of the Lord. We need to walk in respect. We need to honor Him. We need to respect Him. We need to trust Him. And so, we also talk from Second Corinthians 7 1. We might think you back on this a little bit later. But uh, if, if, you, if you truly have a fear of God or are walking in the fear of the Lord, it will cause you to perfect holiness. Now we teach a lot about grace here. We teach a lot about mercy here. We teach a lot about righteousness here. Righteousness is our, is our, one of our cornerstone topics that we talk about. For he who knew no sin became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Our righteousness is not based on our performance. Our righteousness is based on his performance. We are in right standing with God. We are in right relationship with God because of what Jesus did. At the same point in time, if we are walking in the fear of the Lord, if we're trusting Him, we're honoring Him, we're respecting Him, there's going to be holiness in our lives. There, you know, the grace of God sets you free from sin. From sin. If the grace of God doesn't set you free to sin. The grace of God sets you free from sin. It says in Titus 2, verses 11 and 12, that the grace of God teaches us to deny ungodliness. If you're not denying ungodliness, then grace hasn't taught you anything. Do I need to make that more clear? If you're not walking in godliness, then grace has not taught you anything. Grace is a teacher. And grace will teach you to deny ungodliness. You have a part to play. You have to deny it. But grace will teach you to deny ungodliness. Grace will set you free from sin, not to sin. So anyone who says that they're free to sin doesn't understand grace. And anyone also who says that all, when we're teaching grace, all we are teaching is enabling people to sin, those people who are accusing us of that don't know grace at all. For, so both the one who thinks that they have a license to sin because of grace doesn't understand grace, and those who think who who, who refrain from grace because they think all we are teaching is people to they can live any way they want to, they don't understand grace either. Grace will teach you to deny godliness. Grace will will set you free. From sin, not to sin. We also talked about, in the, regarding in the fear of the Lord, uh, uh, could we, again, one of the definitions of the fear of the Lord is honor. <clears throat> but we honor our mates in marriage in the fear of the Lord. There's scriptures about that. We honor our elders. We honor our parents. We're going to get into that a little bit later in the study, to, mainly towards the end. Uh, but we need to honor our parents. We need to honor our elders in the field of the Lord. We need to honor and minister to one another, not just as pastors, but as we are all able ministers in the New Covenant. And we need to serve, we need to honor, we need to respect, we need to love one another in the field of the Lord. We also will talk about briefly how we need to honor, in, in, in Scripture it talks a lot about slaves and servants, well, we, uh, we, might, we, don't, we don't believe in slavery today, but at the same point in time, we, we have bosses. We have people on, that we're under authority uh, uh, over. Uh, uh, I think I'm chopping that all, all up, but we all have bosses. We all have uh, people that we submit to the authority, and we do that. We honor our bosses in the fear of the Lord. We serve, the, and we work hard, and we work diligently, we work faithfully in the fear of the Lord. Turn with me real quick to Psalm 115. <clears throat> Psalm 115. Psalm 115, we'll pick it up verse 11. And I want to toggle back to the New King James. It says, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. And want, sorry about that, I didn't put the scriptures on the screen here. There we go. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is your help, their help, and their shield. Again, as I mentioned in, uh, in a few minutes ago, that, you no, know, when we talk about fearing the Lord, we're also talking about trusting God. Those who fear Him, those who respect Him, those who reverence God, trust God. If you are having a trouble trusting God, then you don't have the, or you are not walking in the fear of the Lord. I'm not saying that to put you down. As Paul says, I become your enemy because I speak the truth to you. No, I'm not here to condemn anyone. I'm not here to put anyone down. I'm not here to, to, to get you to perform, to earn your salvation. I'm, con- I'm here to teach you that we need to walk in the fear of the Lord. We need to reverence him. We need, and specifically right here, we're talking about trusting God. But if we're not tr- trusting God, then by definition of that, by uh, uh, by de- a description, of that we're not fearing God. To fear God means we trust Him. Mean that we rely on Him. That I trust my God more than I trust my circumstances. I trust my God more than I trust the waves in the sea. I trust my God more than I trust my paycheck. I trust my God more than I trust what the doctors and medicines can do. I trust God and I trust my diet and exercise. I'm not against diet and exercise. I'm not against doctors and medicine in and, and of themselves, even though some, some of those things I would probably be against. But, uh, but uh, anyway, I'm not going to go there. I'm not, I'm not against these things. I'm not against working hard. I, I, I thank God we have a paycheck. I thank God what he did. But I trust God. I fear him more than I fear my landlord. I fear him more than I fear the electrical company. I fear him more than I fear this government. I trust and I honor. I will honor others unto the Lord as unto the Lord. But I trust him more. I honor him more. Hopefully I'm trying to make sense and paint a picture of where I'm going with some of this. But do you honor God more than what the banker says? Do you honor God more than what the doctor says? Do you honor God more than what other people say? Do you honor God more than what you say? Whose word is influencing the most? Is it God, His word, or is it you, others, or your circumstances? (coughs) I'm not here to to disrespect the bank. I'm not here to to disrespect government in and of itself. I'm not here to disrespect doctors and medicine and, uh, and exercise and diets. I'm talking about we need to fear the Lord more. We need to be dominated in our minds and our actions. By, our whole life needs to be governed by the fear of the Lord and not the fear of man and not the fear of circumstances. God did not give us a spirit of fear, but a love and power and a sound mind. I'm not talking about a, a, a fear as far as dreading. No, we're talking about reverencing God. We're talking about being in awe of God. And I am more in awe of God than I am by circumstances. And no matter how dire they may be. that makes sense? I'm going to fear God than more my emotions. My emotions can be tough. Lately I've been in the emotion of grief and I lost a good dear friend. But I, when, when the rubber meets the road, when the dust settles, I need to fear God more. I can't stay there. There's a, there's a process of mourning. There's a process of grieving. And, and some it can be dangerous to short circuit that, but it also can be dangerous to, to stretch that out. I need to fear God. I need to trust Him to be my healer. To, 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 to help me rebound and, and, and to move forward. Peter says that we need to cast our cares upon him. Because he cares for us. And you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I cast my cares, I have a tendency to pick them back up. We can't do that. We have to leave them there. We can't take them back. Go with me real quick here to Proverbs 3, 5. Proverbs chapter 3, we'll start in verse 5. Again, I'm just recapping from two weeks ago. And then i am got to move forward with some new territory this morning. But <clears throat> let me just read some context here. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. <coughs> and lean not on your own, excuse me, own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Honor the Lord with your possessions. And with the first fruits of all your increase. So there's a lot here in this, this familiar passage of scripture. that yeah, most of us have probably have read for years. And it's one of my favorite ones that I've read and studied and memorized. And and, 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 live, and tried to live by. But, I, but every phrase in these four or five verses that I read here. Talk about the fear of the Lord. Because if we understand the fear of the Lord is honoring Him. As we understand the fear of the Lord is trusting Him. If we understand the fear of the Lord is reverencing and being in an awe of God, then the fear of the Lord is trusting God with all your heart. I want to say that again. Fearing God, walking in the fear of the Lord, is trusting God with all your heart. Walking in the fear of the Lord is not leaning on your own understanding. I, I, I don't know about you, but I want to have more respect for God's judgment about the situation than I want about my own understanding about the situation. Am I making sense? I want to have more respect and honor towards God's opinion about the situation than my own opinion about the situation. I don't walking in the fear of the Lord is leaning on is not leaning on your own understanding. We get in trouble, how many of you can agree with me, hopefully I'm not the only one, that we get in trouble when we lean on our own understanding. That's not walking in the fear of the Lord. That's not reverencing and being in awe of Him. That's not honoring and respecting and and, and trusting Him. I want to exalt His opinion about the matter over everything else. So many times we have Jesus and the disciples. There's a situation. Someone's sick. Someone, someone's throwing themselves in the fire. Someone's demon possessed. Someone uh, has an infirmity of various kinds. Someone's blind. Uh, uh, there's all kinds of situations. They're in the middle of a storm. And Jesus' opinion, God's opinion about the situation, needs to be exalted versus the disciples' opinion of the situation. When they fed the multitudes, Jesus' opinion of the situation. How many know Jesus is in us? He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we need to fear God and get His opinion about the situation. That's what prayer is. And one aspect of prayer is that we're getting God's opinion on the matter. I'm not anti-doctors. I'm not anti-budgeting and different things. We budget. We support all these things. But at the same point in time, I fear God more. I want His opinion. I don't want to lean on my own understanding. So many of us, when we pray, He's a last resort. We we go to the doctors first and prayer last. We go to the the banker first and, and we work jobs. We'll work overtime. We'll get three or four jobs, five jobs first. And then we'll say, God, and I want to walk in the field of... I don't want to fear me more. I don't want to fear the doctors more than I fear God. I don't want to honor, respect, and trust the doctors more than I trust God. Church, that's backwards. Again, I'm not anti-doctors, anti-medicines, and, and themselves, and, and other things. But we need to as the church, as the body of Christ, as those who are born of God. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We need to fear God. We need to reverence Him. We need to trust Him more. All of your, it it goes on in verse 6, In all of your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path straight. Walking in the fear of the Lord is acknowledging Him in all our ways. Not just some of our ways. Not just when we've tried everything else. That's not walking in the fear of the Lord, folks. We, it goes on in verse 7. Don't be wise in your own eyes. How many times do we get trouble? We're going we're to get into it. I don't know. Hopefully we'll get into it today. But the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And wisdom is not being wise in your own eyes. That's not the fear of the Lord. Am I making sense? It goes on in that same verse, um, excuse me, I lost myself, verse 7, Fear the Lord and depart from evil. We're going to be talking about this a little bit more uh, very closely here this morning, I think it's some new territory, but, but fear the Lord is departing from evil. So I'll speak more towards that in a minute. But let me just say this, you cannot fear the Lord and embrace certain principles and social acceptances in that there are in this world. We can't embrace things that are contrary to the Word of God and be walking in the fear of the Lord. It goes on, it says, uh, verse uh, 8, It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Walking in the fear of the Lord is healthy. Walking in the fear of the Lord is healthy. We'll spend some more time on this towards the end of of our message here. Uh, I don't know if we'll get there today. But when we're trusting God, because we're talking about fear of the Lord is trusting God. When we're trusting God versus worrying about our finances, you know, worry, stress, is one of the leading causes of all diseases, all sicknesses. Stress depresses your immune systems, those experts say. And what we're worrying, which is opposite of the fear of the Lord, is not healthy. Walking... If 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 the fear of the Lord, walking in the fear of the Lord includes trusting God, then trusting God, not leaning on our own understanding, not being wise in our own eyes, and 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 casting our cares upon Him because He cares for us. That is healthy, folks. That is healthy. Worrying, stressing. There's a lot of stuff going on in our world today, and stressing over it is not healthy. It's not healthy physically. It's not healthy emotionally. It's not healthy relationally. It's not healthy maritally. It's not healthy spiritually. It will destroy everything. Walking in the spirit is healthy. It is health to your flesh, it is, it is strength to your bones. When we're, you know, it says in Jeremiah 17, verses 5 and 8 curses a man who trusts in flesh. But blessed is a man whose trust is the Lord. I want to be blessed, not cursed. It is a curse to worry and trust in yourselves. It is a curse to trust man, doctors, more than you trust the Lord. It is a curse to trust your own uh, provision versus trusting God as your provider. Again, I'm not against any of the same things. But when we trust doctors, when we trust the unwork of our own hands, more than we trust God, that is not walking in the fear of the Lord. And I'm not saying this to condemn anyone. I'm not saying this to get mad mad at anyone. I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to help myself. I need to hear this too. But the fear of the Lord, trusting Him, is healthier than than the opposite. And then uh, it says here in verse 9, Honor the Lord with your possessions, and with the first fruits of all of your increase. Verse 10 says, So your bonds will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. There's a lot here, I'm not going to focus on so much on here, but it uses the word honor. Honor is walking in the field of the Lord, to honor the Lord. And we need to honor the Lord with, our, with all, it says, all of our possessions. I said, I said, the he says, I'm Lord, what you possess?' excuse me, and with the first fruits of all of your increase. Everything we have is God's. And we need to be good stewards of not only our money, but also our time. You know, I have some good friends. They love the Lord, but I don't see them spending any time with God. That is not healthy. That is not walking in the field of the it is, I, don't, I can't think of the word or phrase I want to use here. But when, says, when someone tells me that they are too busy to spend time with God, they don't fear Him. They don't reverence Him. I know some people, they will if they want to do it, they will do it. If they want to move here, they want to go here, they want to do this, they'll do it. But when it comes to time with God, when it comes to other things, they don't do it. That just tells me they don't want to do it. They're not motivated. Though. And so, uh, anyway, again, I'm not saying to get me out of anybody. but i want to walk in the field of the Lord. And the field of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we're going to give some verses later. We can learn to walk in the field of the Lord. We need to be trained. It doesn't just necessarily come out of that. We, <laughs> Anyway... There's so much I can piggyback on that. In one sense of the word, we never had the learn to worry. We just became, we just did it naturally. But how many of you know we're not natural? We're supernatural. We're born again. We're born of God. But we have to retrain our minds. We have to retrain this flesh that we're not just flesh and blood. Paul says we know no man after the flesh. All things have become new. But we have to retrain our minds. To operate in the fear of the Lord, and not the fear of man or other things. Hopefully, I'm making sense. Go with me to Proverbs eight thirteen, and we're going to get into some new territory today. Proverbs eight thirteen. Proverbs eight thirteen it says the fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogance and the evil way, and the perverse mouth. I want to actually talk a little quick through the King James we read again. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil, pride, and arrogancy and the evil way, and the forward mouth do I hate. I'm going to be talking briefly about some of these, not maybe all of these, but uh, the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. It's to hate pride, it's to hate arrogancy, and it's to hate the forward mouth briefly talked already about the fear of the Lord is to hate evil or depart from evil, but you know, we're talking about hating evil. In other words, let me just say this right off the bat. If you don't hate these four things, then you don't fear God. Or you're not walking in the fear of God. You're not honoring Him. You're not respecting Him. You're not reverencing Him if you don't hate evil, if you don't hate pride, if you don't hate arrogancy, if you don't hate forward now. But, to some of the church today, just by saying that, there's a conflict. Because some people think we're not supposed to hate anyone or anything. It's okay to hate what God hates. Can I can I say that again? It's okay to hate what God hates. And God doesn't use the word hate loosely. There's certain things that God hates. He even said there's a list of things in Proverbs. One of the things that he hates is discord. He hates discord. And I, I, could spend, I could spend hours on just that one alone. But I've got to talk about these four right now. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. But let me just say this. We hate the evil. We don't hate the person. We hate the evil, but we don't hate the person. Although I say that, and that is true, I'm not gonna I'm not going to uh, move away from that, some people are so identified that you basically have to hate everything they stand for. Does that make sense? Uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that. But some some people are so identified with evil, you almost hate everything they hate. You don't hate the person, you hate the evil. But some people, you almost hate everything they stand for, because they're so identified with it. That's just a little side side note. But the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Again, go with me real quick. Um, This is going to be our main text for a little while today. But go with me to Proverbs 3 seven. Oh actually I have, isn't that the verse right before? Excuse me, I lost myself. So let me find myself again. Do any of you ever lose yourself? Okay. Okay, I think this is where we were just a minute ago. Do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and depart from evil. That's where we were. That's why I look so familiar. Let me just say this about hating evil. If you are doing something that you know is wrong, it is a direct inroad to Satan working in your life. Yes, there's grace. Yes, there's mercy. Yes, God loves you and he loves you unconditionally. But in one sense of the word, that's not the point. That's not the issue. God's grace is always enough. His mercy always triumphs over judgment. His, his, uh, he loves you unconditionally. But are you going to give Satan a free shot at you just because you want to do evil? That makes sense. The Bible says this. Paul says this in Galatians: to sow to the flesh of the flesh, you reap corruption. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on just all this right now, but. Jesus is out, the enemy is out to kill, steal, and destroy you. You need to hate evil. You need to stay away from evil. You should have no desire for evil. That's not walking in the field of Lord. It's not toying with evil. His mercy is always there. His grace is always there. His love is always there. But we need to hate evil. amen. Hopefully that makes make sense. We need to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. How do, you, how do you hate evil? I think it starts with the first part of what I just said in James chapter 4 verse 6. We need to submit to God. We need to, we need to have a relationship with God, His Word, His Spirit, His Presence, and God in us. His seed, His nature, His Spirit. The fear of the Lord is in us will hate evil. We can't do it in the flesh. We can't accomplish this by the flesh. We get new desires. We get new appetites. We love God more and the things of God more. When I'm spending time with God, I'm loving the things of God more. When I'm not spending time with God, other desires start creeping in. Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter 5, that To walk in the Spirit, you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're not trying to control the flesh by the flesh. We're trying to control the flesh by walking in the Spirit. Hopefully I'm making sense with that. Fear the Lord is to hate evil, but feel the Lord is also to hate pride. Pride, self, is so promoted in our society self-promotion is so promoted today. Our society has exalted self over the truth. So many times I hear the phrase, well, I feel this. How does this make you feel? I was listening to Andrew on this, and this talk, and this is, again, this is our Bible classes that we have on our website. But Andrew goes off on some of this. It's like, you know, and one says, who cares how you feel? Now, I care in one sense how people feel. I have feelings. But at same point in time, I cannot exalt my feelings over truth. You know, when we talk about pride, and pride can be in a lot of different ways. Pride can, if you think you are the best of the best, that's pride. But pride is also thinking you're the worst of the worst. A low self-esteem. All those all things that are, are being downcast, being depressed, being discouraged. is all about pride because it's all about self. You're self-centered. And I'm not saying that to be mean. I struggle with some of those things at times. And that's not right. That's not godly. That's not walking in the fear of the Lord. But our society is so exalted with self. We have exalted feelings over truth. We have exalted feelings over the fear of the Lord. We have exalted ourselves and how we feel over others and how they feel. That's wrong. That's backwards. Andrew says those who have exalted themselves where they only only care about self in this way, where they only care about how they feel. Well, I just don't feel that. They might hear the truth, but I just don't feel that. Andrew says, that is immaturity to the highest power. And the way he said, that's immaturity to the max. It's immaturity. It's spiritual immaturity to be so focused on yourself. Paul said it this way, I've been crucified in Christ. It's no longer I who live, there's Christ who lives in me. We need to honor God, His Word, and even others. Yes, I have feelings. I want to be honored. I want to be loved. I want, but I need to fear and love others more than I love myself. And I'll admit there's times where that's just hard to swallow in the flesh. But it's true. We need to do what is right no matter how it makes us feel. And sometimes it makes you feel bad to do the right thing. We'll spend a little more time on that in just a minute. But go with me real quick to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter two, verse three. It says, "Let nothing be done." Let uh, me go back to the King, New King James. Excuse me. "Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in of mind that each esteem others better than himself." Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but loneliness of mind that each Esteem others better himself. That's what Paul taught. We should be selfish. We should esteem and honor others more than ourselves. To me, that's walking in the fear of the Lord. We need to hate evil. We need to hate pride. Love has to hate whatever comes against the object of our love. I heard that this last couple of weeks. Love has to hate whatever comes against the object of my love. If something came against my wife, I'm gonna hate that thing. If something comes against people I love, I'm gonna come against that thing. That makes sense? If you love God, then you have to hate whatever is coming against the object of his love. What's coming, what's the object of his love, people? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. God loves people. Is that, I think it's in Zechariah it says that we are the apple of his eye. That might be Zechariah. If you love others, then you should hate whatever's coming against the object of your love. Am I making sense with this? We need to hate the things that come against people. You don't hate people, you hate evil. I believe also walking in the field of the Lord is do you love people enough to tell them the truth. You know what? We just, uh, my one of my best friends I've ever had, Javier Diaz, passed away a few weeks ago. And that's one reason why I've been grieving in you know, the last couple of weeks or whatnot. But one thing I loved, loved about Javier is that he was not afraid to tell people There's times he did it with love, he did it with compassion, he did it with grace and mercy, but there'd be times he would get in your face, so to speak, and tell you the truth. Why? Because he loved you. He cared enough. You could reject him, they may hurt him, but he was not, he was going to tell you the truth. He was going to, and he would. He didn't make any bones about it. He was was very compassionate. He did it very graciously. But he also was very forward in that regard. And I appreciate that. And I, I want that for me as a pastor, as a brother, as a person. I want to be able to be forward with people like that. Am I making sense? To me, that's not pride. another one I want to talk about real quickly is the bill of the Lord is to hate a forward mouth, as the King James says. Forward. It can also be described as lying. Andrew Womack describes it as a misrepresentation of things. Let me just go off on of this for a moment. but It says, uh, you know, in the Ten Commandments, a lot of us think that it says you shall not lie. But it doesn't say that. It says, you shall not bear Andrew, and I'm going to use a little bit of Andrew's notes on this point here, because the reason why I'm going to do that, because this point of bearing false witness and some of the things that Andrew brings out, is actually a of mine, And I don't want it to come from me, I want it to come from a third party. That <laughs> uh, does not make any sense. But, we should not bear false witness. We should not misrepresent things. You know, when Abraham was asked about Sarah, if it was if uh she was his wife, Abraham says she is my sister in one sense of the word, Abraham didn't lie, but he bear false witness and Sarah was his sister, but Sarah was also his wife the reason I use that illustration because there can be a distinction a tie between lying and bearing. It's still a misrepresentation of things. In other words, I believe bearing false witness takes it to another level than just lying. Yes, I hate lying. Yes, we're against lying. Yes, we shouldn't lie. But we shouldn't bear false witness. Sometimes false witness can be a misrepresentation of things. Let me give you another example. A lot of times when pastors are asked, how many people are you running in their church? Some pastors will exaggerate. Andrew gives this illustration where he, he asks ah, people uh, how many people are in this church and they say a thousand. And well, there's only a hundred in this church. And the response to be afterwards, well, I'm going towards a thousand. I'm trying to get a thousand people. But it's a misrepresentation. It's bearing false witness of the truth. But Andrew goes off on some of this uh, you know, misrepresentation of truth. I half truth. Andrew says, "Goes off this and this manner. Just if you say you're going to be somewhere at seven, but you don't even leave the house till seven, you are bearing false witness." Andrew gives a story of uh, their ministry when they were uh, getting ready to hire someone for an alarm system, and Andrew, just like most of us, in with ministry his size, you can imagine how busy he is and how full his schedule is. But anyway, they had an appointment at ten o'clock one particular day, and, and the salesperson didn't even show up to 10.30. And he knows that the salesperson was walking in, he had a hoster for his cell phone. And he walked in all bubbly, happy, and uh, whatnot, and Andrew says, you're late. He says, but there was traffic. I'm here now, we're all good. And Andrew's like, no, we're not dead. You're late. And uh, and so, anyway, they went back and forth, and am getting the story straight, but at the same point in time, it finally came to a point where where Andrew says, you lied to me. You could have called, but you didn't call. You said you were going to be here at 10, but you didn't get here at 10 there. And and again, he was trying to excuse it on the traffic, but Andrew kept coming back. He says, you could have called. You you know, um, If this is how you're going to treat me before I get your business, how are you going to treat me after you get I, 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 can, I can see with Andrew Andrew there but and so he let him go but Andrew was just trying to make a point even with that illustration that we if we say we're going to be somewhere if we say we're going to do something then we need to do it in other words let me just say this some people when you tell when they tell you things they may or may not do it that's not the, according to Andrew, and I agree with him, that's not the fear of the Lord. He says, if that's how you treat people, you don't respect God and you don't respect other people. If you don't have the decency, he says, you know, things can happen. We can have a flat tire. There can be traffic like with this other man. And there's one, I believe, there's one thing if that happens once in a while, that happens chronically. If that's, if that's your lifestyle. If you're always late. Yet things can happen. But but Andrew's point is, but for you to not care, like the salesperson, because I was his attitude—he didn't care like, about people's time. If you don't care about people's time, if you don't respect them in their time, to not honor your own word and do what you say, you are not a God-fearing person. And I and I and I and I and I. I do want to cringe if I'm even sharing this because in some ways it's, it's a pet peeve of mine. Sharing, I know that when I say if one of us agrees to something, we're sold. Even if it's to our own heart. We're sold. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with that in just a moment about the, our own hurt. I'll deal with that in just a second. But, but when we say we're going to do something, it's big on me to be a man of my word. And, there's times I've forgotten things. And I'm not perfect at this, and so some of you might be listening, like, "Hey, Dave, remember that time that you didn't show up here or whatnot?" You know, I'm not. Per- I'm not saying these things because I'm perfect, but I believe we need to be an honor man of our word. Am I not speaking the truth? We need to honor our word. Does our word mean nothing? And we are living in a society today where people's words mean nothing. Go, go with me real quick to Psalm fifteen four, and I want to I want to piggyback on this just for a moment, and then I'll get off this this, this treadmill. But in uh, Psalm fifteen four says, "In whose eyes a vile person is despised, but he honors those who fear, fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change." Someone who fears the Lord, someone who honors God and fears the Lord, swears to his own hurt and does not change. The fear of the Lord means when you tell someone you're going to do something, you do it. It will do one thing and it will keep you making promises that you can't or won't fulfill. But if you say you're going to do something... The fear of the Lord, if you're walking in the fear of the Lord, you will do it. Even if it's to your own hurt. That's what the scripture says. But if that's not who you are, if your own words don't mean much, if you say and promise things but don't deliver on it, you are not fearing the Lord. You are not respecting honoring God and you are not honoring and respecting others. You're not even honoring yourself. We're not keeping the word. Is not church, is not the fruit of the Spirit faithfulness? Is that not one aspect of the fruit of the Spirit to be faithful? But the fear of the Lord is not taking advantage of people. There's been so many times Sherry and I have been stood up by people. They promise this, of that, and I'm trying not to get off on this because it's a pet peeve of mine. And I know I've messed up too at times, so I'm pointing the finger just as me, at me at times. But if you don't honor people in their time, if you manipulate them, them with saying you're going to do something then don't do it, then you are not a God-fearing person. in disregard. Hopefully I'm making sense, am I? Oh, uh, you know. I'm not saying this to condemn anyone. I'm not trying, but I'm trying to help people. <clears throat> you know, let me, uh, show me real quick. One more scripture on this. Actually, two more, because they both say the same thing. Go with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 37. This is Jesus Jesus talking. He says, but let your yes be yes, and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is is from the evil one. Go with me real quick to James. Chapter 5, verse 12. And James says almost the same thing. But above all, my brethren, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or with any other oath. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no lest you fall into judgment. And some of you might be listening to this, and be like, Dave, you're just going too far with this. Jesus said it, James said it, others said it, I believe our yes should be yes, and our no should be no. Let me say it this way. Does God keep His word? Does God keep His promises? Are not all the promises of God? Yes and amen. Is keeping his word part of the nature of God? Are we born again of God? Are we born of God? Is the nature of God, the fruit of his spirit, supposed to be how we live? If God keeps his word, but it's okay for us not to keep our word, is something not wrong? Again, I'm not trying to hammer everything with this, but I want to walk, I want to honor God. I want to honor people. You know, some, sometimes, you know, what we do and what we don't do is we are the light of the world, we are the salt of the earth, and some people, for some people, we are the only representation of God that they will ever know and see. But if we can't keep our word, then they can come to the conclusion God does not going to keep us. this. Again, I'm not trying to judge us but I want to walk in the fill of the Lord. I want to be a man of my word. And I need to hate evil, pride, arrogancy, and a forward mouth, bearing false witness, misrepresenting things. And so, hopefully that's meaningful to some of you. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 29, and I want to switch gears. Was that okay? Was that too harsh? Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of the man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. The fear of the Lord brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. You know, we need to fear God more than we fear man. If we fear man, not fear of man, snare. I want to give you some examples of the opposite of fearing man But those who trust the Lord. And when we trust the Lord, we're safe. I'm not going to read the whole story, but go ahead and start turning with me to Daniel chapter 3. But we have two... Th- There's multiple stories, but I'm going to focus on two at the moment. The first one I'm going to focus on is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Most of us probably know the story. But the Hebrew children were they they were were in exile in Babylon under King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar made this big image and he commanded his people to bow and worship him image. But when that happened, but he also threatened the people that if they did not do that, that he would throw them into the fiery furnace. And when the music played, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not bow, but they stood and ran. And Nebuchadnezzar was furious. And this is the response. I'm going to pick it up here in Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego Answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fear God more than they feared man. They knew that God could deliver them, but even if he didn't, they were going to still honor God. They were going to still respect God more than they were going to respect King Nebuchadnezzar on this matter. What they were going to do, what they were doing, was civil disobedience, according to the king's decree, according to the king's law. But they feared God more than they feared man. They were respectful, they didn't revolt, they didn't cause a riot, they didn't loot, they were respectful to the authority as far as the person, but they did not submit to something that was contrary to the word God. They hated evil, but they loved God. And they feared God more than they feared man. Have you read the story? God did deliver them. They didn't. Burn. The guys who threw them into the fire, And Nebuchadnezzar became furious, and he 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 he, he made the, the the furnace even hotter than it was. And even the men who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fire were killed. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego didn't get killed. They didn't even smell like smoke. And Jesus was dancing with them in the midst. We have another one. Go with me to Daniel chapter 6. I'm not going to read all these stories, but we have Daniel, who was also captive, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and but here he is before King Darius. And he, uh, Daniel, here, let's pick up verse 1. It says, that pleased Darius to send over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them, that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps, be- because of an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. I'm just trying to paint a picture here that Daniel had a lot of faith here. With King Darius, and he had a lot of favor. He was distinguished over all the other governors and leaders. But his, the other governors and leaders became envious and became jealous of him, and they set a trap for him about him worshiping to his God. And Daniel, uh, also, I love it also here in verse three. It says that Daniel had an excellent spirit. He had an excellent spirit. You know, with all four of these men, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, and Daniel, you can't intimidate a person who is unafraid to die. When you fear God, there's a lot of things going on in our world today. But when you fear God, when you trust Him, when you honor Him, there's nothing that can go on in this world that can shake you from your position if you are trusting God, even death itself. And anyway, the law became that Daniel continued to pray as he did to yes. his God and he would be thrown into the lion's den. Again, Daniel, just like Shadrach, and Abednego, committed civil disobedience to honor and fear God more than he feared King Darius and his men and even the lion's den. Yes. Daniel was thrown in the lion's den. He was spared. And until morning, when they actually threw his his accusers into the lion's den, which they died before they even hit the ground. Again, my point is this. You know, we need to fear God more than we fear man. Because it says, what we just read a few minutes ago in Proverbs 29, 25, that the fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be saved. It's always the wisest thing it's always the safest thing it's always the right thing to fear God to honor him to trust him to obey him to to reverence God more than his man there might be times where where honoring God and honoring man is going to conflict it can conflict in a, in a civil way it can it can conflict in, in sometimes even in marriages and relationships but we honor God We honor God in our our finances, we honor God in our health, we honor God in our relationships, we honor God everywhere. I want to fear God. I want to fear God in my man. But when you stand up for what is right, it will cause people to fear God too. I want to start dealing with that subject. I only have a little bit of time so I don't know if I'll finish that. You know, in both instances though, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, feared God. And God demonstrated his powerful deliverance of them. And same thing with Daniel. Had God spared Daniel from the lion's den and demonstrated his power, it caused both kings, Nebuchadnezzar and King Darius, to fear God too. And so much that they both made a decree throughout all the nation that they had to fear God. Now they might not have all been converted, but they all began to when we stand up for what's right, I'm not talking about writing, I'm not talking about making a making a, a, a revolt. But I'm talking about when we make a stand and do and speak and teach and preach what is right, what is Godly, in the fear of God more than the fear of man, not only do we want to save ourselves, what the worst they can do is kill us, and we go be with the Lord. That's the worst they can do. But when we make a stand, some people, maybe not everybody, but some people, like King Nebuchadnezzar and King Darius, can see the difference and they will begin to fear God too. Praise God. Am I making sense this morning? You know, go with me real quick to 1 Chronicles 14. I'm wrapping up here in just a minute and I'm running out of time. First Chronicles 14, 17. Again, I don't have enough time to read all this. I'll look at verse 16 real quick. So David did as God commanded him, and they drove back the army of the Philistines from Gibeon as far as Gaza. And then the fame of David went out into all the lands, and the Lord brought the fear of him, David, upon all the nations. God brought the fear of David upon the nations. I'll, sp- I'll spend a little bit more of the, our time with this sub- subject next week. But the fear of God, let me just introduce it a little bit. The fear of God will cause people to fear you, will respect you on behalf of others. I'll spend a little more time with this on some things with Paul's and other things. You know, it's going to be hard to influence anybody if people don't respect. It's going to be hard to minister, to teach, to let people hear you if they don't respect and honor you. Does that make sense? We want them to respect us so they can respect what we're going to say so they can hear him and fear him. It's not to get attention on us, but we are the channel. We are the messenger. We are the light of the world. We are the song of the earth. Am I making sense? But God caused the fame of David to go out to all the land. And the Lord brought the fear of him upon the nation. And my prayer for you, as pastors, as ministers, wherever you may be, uh, as families, as parents, as, 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 as wherever you are, that God would give you fame, that God would give you favor, and that people would respect you so you can minister and make a difference. I pray that for ourselves. Let me end with this this morning. Go with me to 2 Timothy 3.12. He says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Now that doesn't sound like a very promising verse to, to end on. He says, Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. I just want to make this point in closing, though. And we'll spend a little more time with this. And I want this to be a positive thing, hopefully. But if you're not being persecuted, you're not living godly. And as Andrew says, when he said this, did is, is anyone miss that? Because he says, All, doesn't say some. All who desire to live godly. That's the opposite of hating evil. Those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will, not may, not could, not should, but will suffer persecution. So if you're not suffering persecution, then you are not living godly. We'll spend a little more time with that a little bit later. As hard and as painful and in some way sometimes even deadly as persecution could be it's actually a benefit it's actually proof that you're living godly now I know that doesn't necessarily sound, sound encouraging but if you look at it from another angle some people are not being persecuted one iota because they're not living godly they're not walking in the field. And as, as as glamorous as it may be that they're not suffering persecution, they're not suffering persecution because they're not loving and godly. Some, but let me, hear me. I want to tie these last few points together. Some will persecute you. But others like Nebuchadnezzar and King Darius and others will respect you for standing up. You don't know which Nebuchadnezzar, which which is Darius is going to respect you. You know, Stephen stood up and Saul, who became Paul, witnessed that. We don't know all the the details of how that affected Paul. But I believe Luke, when he wrote the book of Acts, kept that in there for for a reason. God, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to keep that in there. So there's, a couple of different sides to this coin. That just be, when you if you are being persecuted, it's proof that you're living godly in that regard. As long as you're being persecuted for being in Christ Jesus. Not being persecuted because you did a piece of, and I'll quote Dwayne Sheriff or Andrew, but a piece of stupid. If we're being persecuted because we did something foolish, did something wrong, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those who live, desire to live godly in Christ Jesus. If you're suffering persecution because you want to live godly, there's so many social things in our, on the on uh, on in our society today that if we stand for those things, such as abortion and against transgenderism and against all these other uh, forms of evil, then we are in this society. You are persecuted. If you are not politically correct, you are persecuted in many different forms and made I'm not about being politically correct. I'm about being biblically correct. I'm about fearing God and not fearing man. I'm not here to cause discord. I'm not here to cause revolt. I'm not here to cause a revolution. I'm here to preach Christ and Him crucified. I'm here to walk in the spirit and not in the flesh. I'm here to walk in the fear of the Lord, reverencing Him. I mean in awe of Him. Being honoring Him, respecting Him, trusting Him, and not leaning on my own understanding, and not and not being wise in my own eyes, but fearing Him. Meaning, I hate pride, I hate arrogance, I hate evil, and I hate any form of a forward mouth, even if it's a half truth. I want to honor Him. I want to bring, and I'm I'm steering this in a certain direction that I not even getting to where I really want to get to. But if we're going to see the church multiply, if we're going to see the church come alive, then we need to walk into the Lord because the church did, and And they were going through persecution. They were going through social issues. There was a lot of immorality in the Roman culture. I mean, they did it blatantly out in the Coliseums and everything. There was all kinds of social issues in Rome during the times of the early church. There was all kinds of demonic and evil and pride and arrogancy that was promoted in their day. And it's been promoted in our day. But the church was vibrant. The church was multiplying. And the church can multiply in this hour, in this day, if we learn to fear the Lord. Am I making sense? Lord, I just thank you for your word. I don't know if I'm making sense. I don't know if I'm making clear. I don't know if I'm fully understanding everything I'm trying to teach. But Lord, I know you're wanting to teach us something. You're wanting to teach us something. There is a principle that it goes from Genesis to Revelation, throughout your word, that we need to walk in the fear of the Lord, honoring you, trusting you, relying on you, This generation and this society, and the issues that we're facing individually, as families, and as a nation. We worship you, we magnify you, and Jesus, name we give you thanks. God bless you. Amen.